This is Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras on 680 CJOB. Welcome to the show. Oh, Jets at Noon. Jim Toth, Cameron Poitras here. Oh, God. What a Friday. Yeah, what a Friday. Kicking things off. Uh... Yeah, having some laughs here in the in the newsroom, and then all of a sudden, I mean, in the in the booth here, and we got to get going here. With bottom the show. line is, Cam Poitras is a good guy. Yeah, you know you what? You are a good guy. Bottom line, Jim Toth is an exceptional human. Wow, being. I don't know about that, but you're yeah. a good guy. Yeah, well, I am. So, what else can I say? You know, I, say I, I drive home from guy. work, and I just sit there, and I'm like, "Damn, you're exceptional." It's it's that Seinfeld episode exactly. where he's helping um I forget the gentleman's name. Babu. Babu. And Babu then he, Bot. And then he's like, Jerry, you're a very good man. And then Jerry goes, I am a good man. <laughs> In his head. <laughs> Cam, you're a good dude, man. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh 204 780 Derek Taylor's gonna be joining us from Bomber Camp. Uh Zach Caleros. Uh, not at camp. Uh, family matter um, is expected back in the next couple of days. Uh, we'll bring Derek Taylor on at twelve thirty to get the latest uh, on that. As well as I want to talk to him about the offensive line, how things are shaping up there. Is it as is it as cut and dry and is uh, as perhaps many speculated going into the season as well, or at least going into training camp? And then on the other side of it. Um, uh, if if there was a guy that's going to be taking up any sort of secondary spots, backup roles, who's sort of favorited uh, on the offensive line there. Um, and, uh, yeah, a heck of a hockey game yesterday. Uh, of course, I didn't stay up till one thirty to finish it. Um, but the Carolina Hurricanes falling in game one. Uh, seven games in a row the Florida Panthers have won on the road. We'll get to that. And, and of course, uh, former uh, head coach uh, Paul Maurice of the Winnipeg Jets, Seven games away from from a Stanley Cup, so we'll get to that. Uh, but the big news of the day, we were going to have Josh Clipperton, national hockey reporter with uh, the Canadian Press, on um, to talk about the, the Leafs' offseason. All of a sudden, this news comes down. He texts me back and says, man, i got to cancel. Things just got real haywire. We're going to try to get him on next week uh, to continue to talk about the Leafs and, and their offseason, which has a lot of similarities with the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, but Kyle Dubas... Um, not returning as the general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Jim, what is your immediate sort of reaction to that? Well, you know, normally I would be sitting here going, that's a little shocking, but not. I mean, whether this whether he was back or not, it was going to be massive news. Uh, his contract was up. I, I, I'm not as shocked or surprised or anything like that, just given the fact his press conference when he brought up his family, um, yeah. I, I thought right then and there, this is, you know, the Leafs are the Leafs, and and we all know the magnitude around them, whether whether people love them or hate them. But it just reminded me. I think it was Babcock who said that, or or I forget the the coach, but they would go to pick up their kids from school, and all the kids would be out on the sidewalk, and his kid would be hearing how much his dad sucks, um, or my dad thinks your dad sucks. Yeah. Um, and that's just part of the job. I'm not asking anybody to feel bad for them, and I don't feel bad for Dubas. But when he was talking about his family and how important they are, and this has been, I mean, it would be an incredibly difficult season on the family and stuff. So I'm not surprised. Uh, I, I'm not going to also say that I don't think they don't need to move on from him. This is a core that's been locked up for a very yeah. long time. 
and he ran it back. And so this season for the Leafs, I think, is next season for the Jets. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly believe that. And if you bring back these guys or whether there's changes, that will dictate the future of Kevin Cheveldayoff, mm-hmm. how this is handled. And I said this when the season ended for the Jets. Whoever does this, whoever either trades three or four of this core or manages to re-sign some of them has to be around for it. Yeah. They can't just sort of do what they're going to do this summer, either run it back or make major changes, and then a year or two from now get rid of Dayoff. If Dayoff is going to handle what needs to be handled this summer, he needs to be around for it. And I equate the same to the Leafs. Um, they went all in this year. They went and got Ryan O'Reilly. They made some other moves. Um, and they've got Austin Matthews, who needs to know the future by July 1st. So yeah. uh, I'm not surprised by it. I think that even Kyle Dubas might want to change, though, given that last press conference. This is a guy that after two or three days, and as much as he probably loves the Leafs and wants to yeah. to bring them a cup and be the guy that does that, I think he's also evaluated that this has been an extremely disappointing long run where even, like hockey men know too, right? Yeah. And, and women, if you're in this job, you have to win. Yeah. Um, and so, and I know we're going to hear about Chevel day off and, that, and that's fine, but yeah, he's, it's, he's it's, it's in a position. going to go along with his conversation. He's in sure. a position where I think he has not done as good of a job as Chevel day off when it comes to the contracts. Yeah. That's what the big issue has been. And I remember, uh, just to go back to what you were saying, Dallas Aikens with the, with the Edmonton Oilers when they were going through struggles. Um, he, he talked about his, do- picking up his daughters at school and that's who it was. Yeah. Sorry. Says, that's who it was. Yeah. Say, um, you know, who, who, who's that your dad? Oh, he sucks. Um, so, I mean, there is a toll on, on, on this sort of thing. I think Babcock went through that too. And, well, and he, that, he even came out and said recently that he's not going to play. He's got no interest in playing at a major market, you know, Mike Babcock. So, I mean, I think sort of the, the relationship and, and what goes with this, I mean, it's high risk, high reward. That's, that's how you're playing as a general manager in a situation yeah. like this, where if, if you, if, if you're the general manager who brings a Stanley cup to Toronto after all these years, since 1967, you you're going to get a statue made after you're going to become a god in that in that town. I'm not overemphasizing this. Yeah. His grandchildren would be oh, this is Kyle Dubas's grandson or granddaughter, without a doubt. Like 100%. this is the guy who that I'm, and that's what it would be like. And the vice versa of that is is your dad has totally wasted a ton of money and blown, can't get out of the round. Then he got mm. out of a round and blah blah blah. And look. There's a lot of people having a lot of fun with him throwing water bottles and yelling at Tampa Bay fans. Yeah, and, and I snicker at it too. But then five minutes goes by, and I'm like, "That's a man that is feeling it at home. Yeah. That's a guy who's not leaving the office and going, well, 'Well, I'll see what I can do tomorrow.' And how are the kids? That's a guy mm-hmm. going home, going like it's it's eating away at him. Yeah, because that's not the Kyle Dubas we know for the previous couple. That's that's yeah. a guy with a ton of pressure on him. Brandon Shanahan, uh, president and alternate governor for the Maple Leafs, uh, said this. I would like to thank Kyle for his unwavering dedication over these last nine seasons with the organization, including his last five as general manager. Kyle uh, fostered a great culture within our dressing room and staff and consistently pushed to help our team better season over season. Uh, We wish Kyle and his family the best moving forward and thank him for his valuable contributions. If we look at the Leafs right now in a situation, I mean, they they went all in this year getting Ryan O'Reilly and all that. They, they were going all in. They were all part of the, the Eastern Conference uh, crazy uh, race that 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 led all the way up into the, the trade deadline uh, earlier this year. But the Leafs are in a position where they have two first-round picks, but they have overall uh, five picks in the first four rounds over the next uh, three years. They have um, 
top uh, – and, and this is sort of the tenure, and this, this is the things that um, – uh, that Kyle Dubas will be known for in Toronto or, or will kind of be a part of his legacy, whatever that ends up being. And going back to the point of them making a move here, because if there is going to be some changes, they want a new fresh set of eyes. They need, they need to have somebody else in place uh, because they're not going to bring Kyle Dubas in, uh, sign uh, Austin Matthews to a new contract and then uh, go around and fire him the next year. It has to be somebody that's going to be in charge for at least three years following that. Yeah, um, I believe and, that. And yeah. and and, and that's, that, that's what happened. Lou Lamarillo, right? It was he was let go. His contract was not re- renewed, and then Kyle Dubas came in. Perhaps that was a mistake by Shanahan uh, to have you know someone like Lou Lamarillo f- hammer out these contracts because what Dubas is is sort of is going to be looked at here um, in in his you know the five seasons with with the Leafs uh, longer with the organization as, as the general manager of the Marlies, but. Top signs top unrestricted free agent available, Jonathan Tavares to a seven year contract. Contract dispute with restricted free agent William Nylander, two months into the season, eventually agreed to a six year contract minutes before the deadline. Marner signed to a six year, $65.358 million contract with the Leafs. Austin Matthews signs a five year deal um, as well. Uh, and then, of course, fired Mike, Babpo- Mike Babcock after a poor start to the season and promoted Marley's coach, uh, Sheldon Keefe. Um, who, as far as we know, is still holding on to that position as head coach, but you, you'd have to think not for much longer with, with Dubas uh, moved on from here. Uh, but, the, the, I mean, that was it. It was, and you know what it was, Jim? It was too much money when you looked at Marner, Matthews, and Tavares, particularly uh, Matthews and Marner, where it was not enough, there's not enough time. Like, those deals should have been eight-year deals, and they shouldn't have been as much as they were. They shouldn't have been north of, of $10 million, and they should have gone longer. Like if you're going to sign Austin Matthews, you you want that to have an eight year deal attached to it. But you know, yet but perhaps that's that's the cost of buying into those unrestricted free agent years. And that's what happened with Austin Matthews. Here well, that is the get, cost. Like yeah, it would have been way to more one, to yeah. buy those. Um, yeah. And and now, like I mean, is Austin Matthews in a year or maybe this summer not going to be the highest paid player in the National Hockey League? He will be. Yeah. Like he's going to make more than uh, Connor McDavid. So. The one that bothered me was John Tavares. And and I know, look, John Tavares had 76 points in 79 games last year, 50 points in 56, 60 and 63 is a center, all that good stuff. But um, $11 million for him prevented them from spreading some of that money around on the decor, I think. Was was um, that the big mistake? And goaltending, was they, that the they big couldn't mistake? keep Freddie Anderson because of cap. Was that the big error was maybe looking with hindsight, of course, is always twenty twenty. Was that the big error uh, picking up? Uh, Tavares, did did they need Tavares? Is this I, team really uh, that big of a difference without him on on it? I, he's a great player, there's no doubt about it. But would they have been better used to have well, that money spread out? Again, I, that's the question, right? Are you better to have him at center? <laughs> yeah. Pardon me, allergy yeah. season yeah. is here. No um, is it better to have him at center, or is it better to have two more top four demon? Yeah, at five million dollars each. Like, I mean, we'll never know, right? Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you this, Freddie Anderson was absolutely sensational in the game last night. Freddie Anderson has been, I would think, 90% advertised with the Carolina Hurricanes. He's had injury problems, which has kept him from the lineup. And even at this playoffs, Antti Ranton was coming in. But Freddie Anderson, to me, is a top 10 goalie in the National Hockey League, and you could not afford him. Yeah. You could not afford Zach Hyman. Because you sign these deals. If you don't if you don't sign John Tavares, 
Are the Leafs not a better team with Zach Hyman and Freddie Anderson than they are right now? I think they are. I think they are. Yeah. I think that if you could have got Freddie Anderson on a six or seven million dollar deal and you could have kept Zach Hyman at five to six million as opposed to paying John Tavares, and, and then you have to get another center. Don't get me wrong. But you bring in another center, I think that's money better spent than bringing in John Tavares. I'm I'm just looking at the Leafs uh, and and their roster, particularly at forward, Jim. And outside of Matthew Nyes, who came in at the end of the season and played during the playoffs, there's not one RFA or a guy on an, on an entry level contract right now in their forward group. Yeah, that, and that's, that's going to create what kills them. That's going to create problems. And Nyes was the one guy that every team wanted to when they were talking about trading anyone to Toronto. And so I give Dubas credit for not letting him go. But they don't have a lot in draft picks. I said this three years ago, and some people on Twitter took me to task on it, and I said the, the Leafs went all in about two years ago or three years ago, and I said they are, are hooped now. Mm-hmm. And that was when they had Freddie Anderson, and it cost them Freddie Anderson, and then they went forward. But, again, I, I just – I sort of repeating myself here, but I, I think that I, – I think John Tavares is a $9 million center, don't get me wrong, even to this day on the right team. Like San yeah. Jose was always also offering him $11 million at the time. I, I just think that they needed to – Kyle Connor, Nick Ehlers, Mark Shifley, mm-hmm. and Connor Hellebuck, a lot of those guys as opposed to the – four of those guys getting 2 to $3 million more than than what the Jets players got – that's what hampered them. Let's take a break, and, and we look at this a little bit deeper. Win percentage in the regular season for the Leafs, uh, almost uh, 60%, very close, 59.4%. Uh, playoffs, 459 so below 500. Uh, 18-19, uh, up three games to two on Boston, losing seven. 19-20 in the play-in, lost uh, 3-0 in game five to Columbus after winning game four. In 2021, in the North Division during the bubble year, up 3-1 on Montreal, losing 7. 21-22, up 3-2 on Tampa, losing 7. And 22-23, beat Tampa in 6 and then fall to Florida I mean, they've had five. some epic collapses. The one against yep. Boston when they were up 3-1, and the uh, one against Tampa before Bay. Before Dubas was even around. Not this year, but yeah. last year when they were up on Tampa Bay and then lost 2 straight. To me, goaltending would have won you those series. We'll be right back. Jets at noon on 680-CJOB. Hello, Jeff Braun. How you doing? Um, it's a Friday, right? Hey, Braun. Well, that yeah. doesn't tell us how you're doing. We asked you I'm how you're glad doing. glad it's Friday. How about that? That's how you're doing? You're glad it's Friday. <laughs> it glad. has to be Friday. If there was, if today was Thursday, I would be in trouble. How are you sleeping? Sleeping? Sleeping well. Sleeping good. That's how I'm feeling, always worried Jeff? about that. You doing all right? Yeah, I'm all right. Everything okay at home? Ah, so far, so good. Atta boy. Everything okay at work? <laughs> okay. Yeah. All oh. right, Jeff. Thanks a lot. Thanks, yeah. Jeff. No worries, guys. Happy weekend, man. Very uplifting yeah. uh, as we go into the back half of Jets at noon. Tell you what, Jeff Braun, you never leave a conversation with Jeff Braun feeling worse than when it began. You it's always true. feel better. And you know what? I'm feeling pretty good right now, too. I feel good, too. Yeah, it's Friday. Yep. yep. A little worried about the Jim Toll show, but we'll that's, see how that goes. <laughs> that's normal. That's normal. <laughs> that's just every day at 1233. <laughs> You're a good guy. Oh, uh, down at training camp, Derek Taylor's joining us. Uh, voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, Winnipeg Blue Bomber training camp reports are brought to you by Stars Air Ambulance, caring for Manitobans when and where you need us most. Hello, Derek. How you doing? I'm good. Hey, Toast, if you need somebody to come on your show and talk about the season three decline 
of Ted Lasso, I'm your guy. You got my number. I I don't watch. I want to watch Ted Lasso, but okay. Well, I, I'm halfway through the second season right now. The first season and is it as is, good as everybody says? The first season is incredible, awesome, awesome. The second season, no, I and this is my opinion, and, and Derek, I'll get yours. Not as good as the first season, but still pretty dang good. And I haven't started the third season, so I have no idea. Derek, what's your uh, first season was unbelievable. Second season, are you at the Danny Ray, Rojas ground, uh, Greyhound episode yet? Uh, no, I don't think I've seen that. No, I'm not there yet. No. Okay. Um, the second season wasn't as good as the first, but the first is an all timer for me in TV history. And the third season, uh, anybody listening who's seen the third season may think the same. Like it's, there's a lot going on and they're trying to me, they're trying too much and they're really beating you over the heads with some stuff like, uh, you know, what's okay. in, you know, what's interesting. I've never seen the show, Derek is Mike O'Shea going to England to coach a premier division soccer team, but he's a massive football fan, both football and European style. And I remember when he first moved here for the job, um, I had Kyle Walters on this station and he was telling me, well, right now Mike's just laying on the couch with me watching soccer. Like, they're, they're two massive soccer fans, so the Ted Lasso comparisons are real. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Ted Lasso's character knows nothing about soccer, but he knows about teams and leadership, right? And, yeah. and that's why, that's why. like, oh, I had O'Shea on the coach's show, and I jokingly said when they were looking for their new head coach and before getting Rick Bonus, I'm like, oh, are you going to apply for that? He's like, I don't know hockey. Like, yeah, that's, I don't think that matters. You can hire coaches that know hockey. <laughs> you know how to inspire people and run an organization and treat current-day athletes, right? Like, that's – coaching now, uh, you can't coach now like you did 30 years ago. Now you have to respect athletes and individuals. Mm-hmm. You can't just go – Rub a, rub a salt tablet on its sugar and get back out there, right? It, right. it, it ain't the same anymore. Those days are gone. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's uh, going down to the training camp and, and an IG field. The first, of course, the big news, uh, Zach Claros, not at bomber practice. I, I assume you have no other information, but I have to ask you anyways, uh, beyond that, that he is just going to be back after a couple days and, uh, not, uh, and obviously not participating because of family matters. Yeah. Not, not injured, nothing like that. Just taking a couple days. Uh, to take care of some stuff, which is is pretty standard fare mm-hmm. uh, in training camp. There were a lot of guys that actually got uh, veteran days or, or had the day off today. Brandon Alexander just taking a day for himself. Uh, both running backs uh, continue. Uh, I'm assuming they got Nick because they haven't worked in a couple of days. Brady's only been in one day of camp, Brady Oliveira, and has been on the sidelines since then. But no Johnny Augustine today. Mike Miller had the day off, and Tavares Harrison had the day off as well. He a uh, second-team receiver. But uh, – as we understand it, zero to be worried about with Zach Kalaros, just not here. Uh, and in his place, Drew Brown got a lot of reps, and Drew Brown looked really good. Yeah, so, you win a couple of cups and go to three straight championships. I guess you earn uh, the right <laughs> to take a day or day or two off during camp, eh? Well, camp is long, right? Like, even for, for us and as reporters sitting here, like, I, I got here at 8.30, practice ended at 11.50. It, it's long. <laughs> and you just think that, for these guys who are, you know, it's not full speed cracking each other, but there's pads on for a fourth straight day. These are long days of physical exertion, and then guys go and lift as well, and then they're in meetings. These are long days for them. So if guys don't need to be learning the install of the run game or this, 
uh, giving them a day off is just it, it just makes way too much sense. Well, and that's maybe the Ted Lasso conversation we started with is how times have changed too. Like I remember Paul Paul Apolice when he was head coach here, and he would just willingly not have some contact or pads at practices that you could have because he wanted people healthy. And I'm wondering about that as well. Um, in today's athlete, like the idea of getting into shape in camp is over. It's about coming oh, yeah. to camp in shape and then just staying healthy for a regular season. Yeah, some some guys fine-tune it once they get here. But, I mean, you just look at some of the guys. They're, they're working after practice with their shirts off, and you go, "There is if that guy had a fat cell in his body, it would die of loneliness. Like, they're just... <laughs> <laughs> they're in incredible condition already. And they're obviously uh, – Coach O'Shea talked about Dalton Schoen yesterday uh, and how, how great Dalton is on this and that and this. And he said a lot of it is because he is in incredible physical shape. Like to run that waggle for 10 yards and then run a 40-yard pass route and do that over and over again, you know, 60 plays a game, you have to be in incredible physical condition even for a pro athlete. So. Guys get here, and, you know, they'll get better as it goes along. But, yeah, they, they come in at, let's assign a number, 85% of the, of the week one shape they're already in. They are, they are finely tuned at this stage, yeah. Lots of great battles out there. I know you highlighted uh, one of those on Twitter uh, between a receiver and a, and a star defensive mm. back, yeah. Oh, yeah, there was some good stuff. There was a lot of uh, – we saw a lot of Dalton Schoen going deep today, which is fantastic, and it's exactly – what led him to be a, an all-star last season. But he and Dietrich Nichols, these are the ones, right? Dietrich Nichols, to me, uh, is, is borderline the best defensive back in the Canadian Football League. And he and Schoen got isolated on a couple of routes. And, and uh, Nichols won one, and then Schoen won one, beat him by a couple steps and scored a touchdown. And then there was one. It's where Dalton is absolutely elite. It's, it's finding space when plays break down. Uh, last season... He was the top receiver in the league as far as catches and yards when the quarterback was under pressure and out of the pocket. So there was one rep where uh, third stringer Tyrell Pigram rolls out to his right and Schoen's in the end zone, and he goes, okay, well, he's, go- he's rolling. I'm going to cut left. I'm going to cut back, and I'm going to go deep. And, man, Dietrich Nichols was on him every bit of the way. And you just think of that and go, well, Schoen is incredible at getting open, and Nichols is just incredible at responding to it. Watching these these stars go go head to head in camp is is always a ton of fun. But as good as Dietrich Nichols is, Evan Holm, second team halfback of all people, had the play uh, of the day in my mind. Uh, it, it, I believe it was I believe it was shown coming to the uh, jumbotron end zone. Holm was chest to chest with him and just up and pulls the ball away in perfect man coverage. It's an it's a fantastic interception. And you flash back to Coach O'Shea yesterday saying that Holm has tremendous feet and he's super fast. And you go, yeah, okay, we saw tremendous feet and super fast on that. So Evan Holm, a guy who made the roster more than a few times last season with just the play of the day. But those battles, right, those battles are just so entertaining. Mm-hmm. What does the weekend look like for Bomber Camp? So uh, full day Saturday, full day Sunday for them as well. Uh, apparently, uh, if you guys are coming down, there are pancakes on Sunday, just saying. Pancake breakfast. Oh, wow. Yeah, my fat cells will not be lonely. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So, yeah, there's there's full day of practice Saturday and Sunday. They play next Saturday in Edmonton. So, uh, you presume they fly Friday. We haven't seen their schedule. So, maybe a a reduced day of practice on Thursday is just a guess on my part. But uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I would expect more of the same because, 
you know, uh, a guy like Janarian Grant will return eventually and someone's got to go when Janarian returns. And, and then there will be cuts after the Saskatchewan preseason game here. So, yeah, I, I suspect they're going uh, full tilt until uh, at least Wednesday. Uh, one one quick one. We're almost out of time here, here, Derek. But I wanted to talk to you about the offensive line uh, and and how that's sort of shaping up. I mean, I mean, or is it even shaping up? Is is it basically set as everybody sort of thought heading into training camp? You know, at center, at guard. I mean, how how are things looking there? Yeah, exactly as you would expect. It's it's exactly the same lineup that when Michael Couture, the center, was injured last mm-hmm. season. It's that offensive line. It's it's Stanley Bryant, Jeff Gray, Chris Kolenkowski at center. Uh, Patty Newfeld at right guard, Jamarcus Hardwick at right tackle, and no reason to ever change it because uh, those guys, I mean, there were two guys in there that were, to me, all-stars and three other guys that were rock solid. So will Tui Ellie make a play for that center position? We'll see what will Liam Dobson factor in as the sixth offensive lineman, but as expected on the offensive line. Uh, Bobber training camp reports are brought to you by Stars Air Ambulance, caring for Manitobans when and where you need us most. Derek, enjoy your weekend at Bomber Camp. Thank you. It's going to be great. All the best, TT. Absolutely. Let's take a break. Let's come back on the other side. Uh, Paul Maurice, seven wins away from hoisting a Stanley Cup. Big win in quadruple overtime, almost quintuple overtime. Uh, save 12.7 seconds away from going to a fifth overtime. Oh, that's that's a tough one. And game one, like how this series, how this will affect the rest of the series is fascinating to me. Rod Brendamore calling uh, media availabilities noon today after the game ended 1.30 Eastern I time. I thought you were going to say it's 7 a.m. Yeah, Mike, Mike, <laughs> Mike Russo uh, with the Athletic down in Minnesota, um, he tweeted out, he's like, you know, Rod the bod, he already ran five miles and lifted for two <laughs> hours at that point. I don't think it's too far off. We'll be right back. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. Saturday, sunshine, high 25. Sunday, sunny, high 24. Monday, sunny, high 29 on May long weekend. Get out of here. I don't believe it. That's your college country forecast on 680 CJOB. Unbelievable. Wild. Torrential rain. Minus Unbelievable weather. Snow flurries. That's Unbelievable. That's the May long weekend I know and love. It's been a while. Uh, text message here. Of course, the Carolina Panthers win game one of the Eastern Conference final in uh, quadruple overtime. I have to think about it. What is it? Quadruple, quintuple, quin, uh, quadruple overtime. Quadruple, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Quad. Quad has four wheels. That's right. That's why it's a quad. Hence the name, quad. Hence <laughs> the name, Yeah. Um, Let's call this a quad. Why? <laughs> wow, this is a tricycle. What, why is that? Um, anyway, so 3-2, Matthew Kachuk scores the game winner with 12.7 It had seconds. to be Kachuk too, right? You knew it was going to be him, like of all players. He's, what did Maurice say? He's just a gamer. You know, he's just, he's just a gamer. He's a gamer. Like he just, 700 <laughs> players in the league Maybe a handful can do that. Pull it back. He's a gamer. This was a, I, and I was playing this in the morning, but I, I got to play it again because this is just classic Paul Maurice talking. This is I got to play this clip again. At some point, you're wondering. This is not a critique. It's a question: that how long can these men push this hard for without it becoming dangerous? I mean, they're they get into this locked into this rhythm, and and they they're at that point they're like. Thoroughbreds, right? But how long a racetrack can we keep for these guys? 
just this classic Paul Maurice right there. He says, when's it become dangerous? How much can these thoroughbreds push? (laughs) It just, it's awesome. It is. It's just great. It's great stuff. I love that. Remember that time he was doing something for the Jets? They were on the road and he's like, well, what we need is there's the, the, the two gaps we got to fill and you get the B gap and then you want to go hard into the A hole and then you want, he's like, that didn't sound right. I'm done today and just walk off. <laughs> but he's just so, I mean, he's just a gamer. Yeah. Oh, just, how hard can these thoroughbreds push? When does this until it's dark? You know, there's dangerous a, for these, these guys. inches are all around us. <laughs> so an inch too fast, an inch too slow. They're all around us. I think a lot of uh, fans here, Winnipeg Jets fans, are, are rooting for Paul Maurice. Um, and this, uh, well, he too is a gamer. <laughs> he's a gamer. That's right. Uh, hey, God, show up and work here. That's <laughs> right. Exactly. That's it. We have to. Th- one day this summer, we'll just do Paul Maurice quotes. Then. Yeah, we'll have to. And do Rick that. Bonus has some good ones too. And I'm not yeah. talking about the ones like embarrassing. Stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like the the all time. Maybe we could pull out some Claude Noel. Yeah. See what the joy oh, level is like. Go all the way back. Uh, it, Dave Lowry. I mean, that's there's there's for his, <laughs> he his was interim great. time. He was great for the opposite reasons. Yeah. No. <laughs> well, we'll see how things shake up and stuff like that. But got to you got to make the power play work. Listen, <laughs> like you're not getting nothing. Blood from a stone. That, that uh, quote last night is just like I got to play it again. Play it At again. some point, you're wondering. This is not a critique. It's a question that how long can these men push this hard for without it becoming dangerous? I mean, they're, they get into this, locked into this rhythm, and, and they, they're, at that point, they're like thoroughbreds, right? But how long a racetrack can we keep for these guys? But it's just the string there. It's just like, it's a, it's a masterpiece anyway. And by the way, Cinnaboy Down's opening weekend on Monday. If Absolutely. You like, that's how we should have wrapped it up. If you like thoroughbreds up in Winnipeg, Cinnaboy Down's kicks off their season on Monday. It's just natural talent, too. Like, it just to, just because to there's no way he knew that that's what he was going to say. But it just like ends up racetrack, thoroughbreds. Yeah. You know, how far are these guys going to go? Anyways, uh, Brian texts the show 204 780 6868. 204 780 Linda just texts the show. She goes, Go, Paul Maurice, all the way to the cup. Uh, Brian texts as well. He says, Hey, guys. So Paul Maurice and his coaching staff were not the problem. Of course, Jamie Compon, assistant coach with the Winnipeg Jets last season. He's now a part of the coaching staff in Florida. And neither is Rick Bonus and his coaches. We have some very unsatisfied players in this hockey team. Uh, and, you know, obviously uh, some of these guys need to go. That one from Brian. And, and I asked a question, and we were kind of discussing this as well, uh, Jim, and we've been discussing it. Con- the better that Paul Maurice does here, uh, does it not sort of continually hammer home that point uh, that that he was not the issue with this hockey team? And despite what actually happened behind closed doors, and, and we know Paul Maurice uh, knew that when he resigned midseason, he knew that that was going to be the end. Um, uh, you know, the discussions that that had and, and came out of that media availability after he did resign, you know, Shevel Day off, you know, uh, uh, Mark Chipman, he told us this when he joined us on the show uh, uh, during the summertime was that, uh, you know, Kevin Shevel Day off, Mark Chipman constantly were, 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 were trying to convince him to stay, wanted to give him a one year deal. They said, no, we can't do that. We have to give you two in this market and that whole situation here. So despite what happened behind closed doors, the perspective at least sort of reflects 
back onto the team and management, doesn't it, Jim? Well, this is this is why it's so disappointing on how those exit meetings went with we're disappointed Rick Bonus didn't air that publicly and instead with us. Because like there has to be some accountability. Yeah. And and that's why it just like Paul Maurice is a great story. I, I never thought Paul Maurice was the problem. Yeah. But I do agree with I Paul Maurice. I do agree with Paul Maurice that everybody has a shelf life. John Cooper in Tampa is going to be fascinating Mm -hmm. because he's one, but his voice is going to wear thin too. Yeah. And you can't just keep running it out there. Right. So Paul's right that his voice has ran out, but I never thought he was a problem. He's not just because hockey teams don't have good records. Doesn't mean the coach is the problem unless there's some Mm -hmm. obvious things that are. Mm -hmm. And so I, I do think that, and then you add in the fact of again, under another head coach, there was a lot of lack of accountability for not getting things done as players. And and why are you emphasizing what your coach said as opposed to what actually happened in the playoffs? Let's take a, just a couple of text messages here as we go out and everybody have a wonderful long weekend. Enjoy your May long, nice weather and all that. I'm surprised Maurice didn't lose his mind and say it's moops, not mores after seven periods <laughs> uh, from Chris. This texter says, who's your dad? Paul Maurice, AKA who's your daddy? Hey guys, I'm rooting for Paul Maurice Bruce from Maine Island, BC. And uh, it would be interesting to know, this texture says, how Maurice would compare Perfetti to Anton Lundell, who the Jets could have picked instead. Well, that's a conversation I, for uh, another day. I like the way when the goal was called off in overtime, how he invited an official to go make love to himself yeah, again. He's got, a, he's got a habit of he, that. He, that he, he was flipping out on the board. There's I, no I guessing it. on how Maurice feels. Jim Toth will take you all the way till 3 o'clock. Thank you very much to Jeffrey Forte for producing the show. Again, everybody have a happy and safe and wonderful long weekend kicking off the summer. That's it for me. I'll be back Tuesday. See ya. Chats at noon on 680 CJOB.